We know that somewhere in the world, someone downloaded this podcast, but we don't know anything about you. The folks who support this show would love to know just a little bit about who is listening. If you have two minutes, it really does only take two minutes. Help us make this show an even better experience for you by telling us more about yourself. Just go to ListenerQ, L-I-S-T-E-N-E-R-Q.com forward slash pull up and take the short survey. You can also give us direct feedback on the show, which we would love to hear. And as a thank you, you'll be entered in a drawing for a $100 Amazon gift certificate. Two minutes. ListenerQ.com slash pull up. That's ListenerQ.com slash pull up. Part of being healthy is staying active. And that means getting enough protein to fuel you through all your workouts. But it doesn't have to come in the form of chalky, tasteless shake. To get the fuel you need with the flavor you want, you've got to try the new protein smoothies from Daily Harvest. Daily Harvest delivers perfectly portioned cups of frozen organic fruits and vegetables directly to your door. It takes 30 seconds. Just add water or your favorite milk to your cup and blend or heat. Daily Harvest's new plant-based, ready-to-blend protein smoothies actually have me excited about gym days. Also, you have flavor options like oats, sesame, banana, just to name a few. In any case, all of these smoothies are going to get you through a workout. No doubt. So go to daily-harvest.com and enter promo code PULLUP to get three cups free in your first box. That's promo code PULLUP for three free Daily Harvest cups at daily-harvest.com. Daily-harvest.com. Stephen A. Smith, welcome to the Pull Up Pod. What's going on, man? Why do you keep trying to get me traded to the Sixers? I just think that you're a hell of a player. You're one of the premier shooters in the game of basketball. And more importantly, you don't need somebody else to get you your shot. Who would you rather have for the next five seasons, KD or AD? I would say to you, I would rather have Anthony Davis for the next five seasons. But if you gave me one season, I'd rather have Kevin Durant. I don't give a damn about feelings when it comes to analyzing how you play. I get tired of hearing folks say, well, you know, this person's a nice guy, that person's a nice guy. That don't have a damn thing to do with whether or not he can shoot or he can play or he can put the ball on the floor, he can defend or whatever the case may be. You either can or you can't. Welcome to the Henrik Lundqvist episode of Pull Up, a.k.a. the Curry, Seth, Dell, Steph, number 30. Excited about this week's Pull Up Pod. We have a lot to discuss. A lot has been going on. Obviously, the start of the NBA season. A lot of trades around the NFL. And just in general, a lot of highlights, things happening in New York City with bombs. There's just a lot going on right now. But first and foremost, I want to start off by saying that I am currently in Orlando, getting ready for the Orlando Magic tomorrow. And I apologize in advance for us not being able to put the pod out on Wednesday like we normally do, but we appreciate your patience on waiting for this Thursday release. We have a special guest who will be coming soon, but I just want to briefly touch on the season before we get started. Uh, three games into the season, heading into game number four, two and one start. Uh, we, we opened up with the Lakers. It was a crazy hostile environment, nationally televised game on TNT. A lot of fun entertaining. Uh, Nick Stauskas, a.k.a. Saucy, Sauce Castillo, was hitting big shots. I think he had 24 points in that game. Bench unit has been great. E.T., a lot of those guys have stepped up. Mo is getting uh, back into the rotation and kind of getting the rust out after the injury. Uh, he had this past uh, offseason. Seth Curry has played well. Zach Collins has showed some improvements. And I'm really just looking forward to seeing how we continue to get better. Myers Leonard has also uh, been helping us out a lot. The second game was against the San Antonio Spurs. 
a different type of game, less fast break, more interior presence with the Gasol, L.A., DeMar, a lot of post-up options and continuity, movement, flowing offense to where just gave us some different looks, but we were able to execute well enough to get the win. Our most previous game against the Washington Wizards, we dropped a game we feel like we should have won uh, in overtime. Uh, I think I, I think that's the worst I've shot since my junior year in high school. But uh, looking forward to the next game and, and bouncing back. But I think just based on how we shot 39% overall as the team, to still be in that game, still have a chance to win it. I think we had a 97% chance of winning that game, according to ESPN, after uh, Nick hit that three to put us up by three. But it's all about learning from your losses, uh, figuring out ways to execute a little bit better each night. Uh, 79 games left. We're really looking forward to seeing how we continue to improve and uh, continue to take care of home court and still games on the road. But without further ado, welcome to Jordan Schultz to the show. As always, Jordan, where are you at right now? I am in New York City, and uh, I must say, CJ, I have been enjoying the Blazers thus far. The opening night win over the Lakers was terrific, and I know you didn't get off to a super hot start, but you, you had some clutch buckets late. We talked after, and it was obviously a great way to start the season. And people people will say about Portland this year, well, you know, this is the same team. Um, my take on that would be you guys You guys added some pieces. Um, you have a lot of young guys. It's nice to see Stousis and, and Curry getting pretty good minutes and taking advantage. But uh, I, I would pose the question for you is defensively, what are you excited about and what are you feel like the team is, is not doing because you're giving up I think about 117 a game, and I know that that's been a point of emphasis for you guys all summer. Yeah, we're just continuing to figure out in ways to tighten up our shell. We've played three different types of teams. Obviously, the Lakers are fast break oriented, you know, pushing the ball in transition. LeBron's going to get a lot of free throw attempts because he knows how to get to the line. He knows how to manipulate and use his body. And you play a Spurs team who plays completely different. So figuring out how games are being called, Staying in our shell, getting back in transition, playing the Wizards was a lot of transition and, and actually turned out to be an overtime game, so extra minutes. But overall, I think even though we've been giving up 117 points, the pace of the NBA has speeded up. A lot of teams are shooting more free throws and more three-point attempts. So right. we just have to continue to figure out ways to tighten things up. And although we've given up 117 on average, we're still a top 10 defensive team and will be uh, once the season comes to a conclusion. Without further ado, we want to welcome a special guest. I did some research and really enjoyed reading his bio. Winston-Salem State University. A lot of buckets were given out, I hope. Um, born in the Boogie Down Bronx, raised in Queens. And one of my personal favorites when reading your bio is finding out that you were on a ABC soap opera, General Hospital. <laughs> so we're going to have to discuss that but without further ado i appreciate you coming on Stephen a smith welcome to the pull-up pot what's going on man what's going on how you doing great to have you good man i'm, I'm currently in orlando uh getting ready to play the magic tomorrow um a lot has been going on across the nba obviously with uh the season t getting started last week last night the sixers played Detroit Pistons, Blake gets 50, Embiid flops. You've had a lot of comments about the Sixers lately. So first, I have to ask you about the 76ers team. Uh, I like Mar Markel Fultz's jumper. I want to start off by saying I like his jumper and how aggressive he's been in the three or four games I've been able to watch. Well, I'm glad you do. <laughs> I'm glad you like it. What are your thoughts on the Sixers? And why, are, why do you keep trying to get me traded to the Sixers, man? Well, it's not to the Sixers that I keep trying to get you traded to. I just think that you're a hell of a player. Um, you're one of the premier shooters in the game of basketball. And more importantly, you don't need somebody else to get you your shot. 
you can do it yourself. And I think that if you're going to compete with the likes of the Boston Celtics and the Toronto Raptors in the Eastern Conference, I think if you're the Sixers, that's what you need. I like J.J. Redick a lot. He's an elite shooter in the game. We know this. Uh, but in the same breath, come playoff time, even though he's, he, he can play, and he can play really well, he's a catch-and-shoot guy. It's not to say that he can't put the ball on the floor, but he can't do it like you can do it. I think the combination of you and him, along with Embiid and Joel and uh, Ben Simmons, would definitely go a long way. I know Covington can ball, he can defend, uh, but in the same breath, uh, he, he struggles to make his shots. Um, and obviously, Dario Saric is the same way. If you remember last year in the Eastern Conference semifinals, Boston chased Sixers shooters off the three and made them put the ball on the floor. And that was what really, really spelled doom for the Sixers. I think somebody like you can help resolve that. So it's, it's not a really about trying to put you to the Sixers. It's basically saying if the Sixers want to really and legitimately compete with the Boston Celtics and the Toronto Raptors in the Eastern Conference, they need somebody like you to elevate their chance. Yeah, I appreciate the compliment, man. I think that the Sixers definitely do have a lot of great pieces. I think uh, if they stay healthy, obviously Ben Simmons is battling some back issues. Embiid has gone through some different types of injuries throughout the season yeah. uh, in the past. I think they can compete with the Celtics. I really like the Celtics roster. I think that they're still trying to figure things out with uh, Gordon coming back, with Kyrie coming back. Yep. Do you think the Celtics – Resign Kyrie next year, and what do you think happens with Terry Rozier? Well, I think I think that if Kyrie is smart, he'll want to stay in Boston because I think Boston are the clear favorites. Not to not to dismiss or summarily dismiss Toronto because I know how formidable they are, particularly with Kawhi Leonard being there. I, I I recognize how real they are, but even though I like Siakam and Ananobi very very much, I think they're basically athletic defenders who would struggle to make threes come playoff time. Um, and I think that that would spell doom for them against the likes of Boston. When I look at Boston, I don't see a weakness. They have depth. They have athleticism. They have athletes. They defend. They can shoot perimeter shots. They can hit the three. And they're exceptionally well coached. Um, so I would tell you that if I'm, if I'm Kyrie Irving, I would want to resign with them, assuming they're going to pay him the money. But if I'm the Boston Celtics and I figure out that I can win without Kyrie, that keeping Terry Rozier and Marcus Smart there ultimately gets me to where I want to go without paying Kyrie, then I look to move Kyrie because I can still upgrade my roster or at least stay the same without taking a step back without having to give him those max dollars. But I think if it's up to Kyrie and he's smart, he'll want to stay rather than come to New York. But as a native New Yorker and a diehard Knicks fan, nothing would please me more for healthy Kyrie Irving decided to bring his talents to Madison Square Garden. I would definitely be very happy about that. Yeah, Stephen, I wonder for you, when you look at Boston, what's the the growth process for them as they obviously are extremely deep, but with that comes there's only one basketball and there's a lot of scores there. Obviously, Hayward being one of them coming back. Um, how long do you think that'll take to sort itself out? Because we saw them lose to Orlando, and um, like you said, they're, they're terrific. I mean, they have every weapon you'd want. Um, but I do wonder if there's ever going to be an issue or how long there will be an issue for them to fully maximize all that talent. I think it's going to be at least half the season, possibly three quarters of the way, but not because of basketball reasons. It's because of the combination of basketball reasons combined with the fact that Gordon Haywood has to get back in the basketball shape right. and 100% basketball health. 
that was a nasty injury he suffered last year. I was right there about 20 feet away on the baseline uh, in the corner, in the left corner, when he suffered that gross ankle injury against the Cleveland Cavaliers for the season opener last year. If it were just a matter of him coming to the team, being 100% healthy, then I tell you the Boston Celtics would have this figured out definitively by midway through the season. The problem is he's under minutes restrictions. They're limiting him to about 25 minutes a game. You got his health. Uh, that obviously is still an issue. That's why he's under those minute restrictions. Plus, he's adjusting the plan for a new team because he never played for them last year because the injury that he sustained was five minutes into his career as a Boston Celtic. So you got to learn how to play with these guys. You have to learn how to play again because you were out last year with that nasty ankle injury. That's the problem that he has. When you look at the Sixers, um, I, you know, CJ and I are in the same boat with Markel Fultz. Uh, not only that, I, you know, I spent some time with the kid last week, and you know, I, he's only 21 years old, and he's the kind of kid you, you really want to root for mm-hmm. because he, he, he really gets it, and he, he knows that last season was obviously a disappointment, and he wants to be great, and, and that doesn't mean he's going to be great, but he's the kind of guy you want to root for. So, with that in mind, what, what does Philadelphia have to do? to take the next step and beat Boston? Because obviously they got hammered opening night and then be said, you know, they kick our ass every time we play. Well, let me say this. Let me answer the question. First of all, let me be very, very clear. I don't mean to sound mean-spirited in any way, but you know what? Even though I have a recurring role on a soap opera, I don't bring that to the basketball court. I don't give a damn about feelings when it comes to analyzing how you play. You either can play and you can ball or you can't. I don't root against Markel Fultz, but I'm not going to lose any sleep if he plays like garbage. This is a big boy's game. This is a man's game. He's a professional basketball player. I wish him nothing but the best, but you got to call it like you see it. I get tired of hearing folks say, well, you know, this person's a nice guy. That person's a nice guy. That don't have a damn thing to do with whether or not he can shoot or he can play or he can put the ball on the floor. He can defend or whatever the case may be. You either can or you can't. Mark, there's a whole bunch of brothers in the NBA that are pretty damn good people, all right? But that don't, nobody's wishing for them to do well. They ride the bench or whatever because you need a player you can't. Markel Fultz is the former number one overall pick. And you know what I pay attention to more than anything else? It's not just about what he can do. It's about what the other dudes can do that you passed up on to take him. So let's go down the list. You got a guy by the name of Jason Tatum that was taken number three overall. Not not only was he taken number three overall, the Philadelphia 76ers traded up from the third spot to move up to the number one spot, forfeited a first-round pick, and still passed on him in favor of Markel Fultz. I'm sorry. It's a team within your division, not just your conference, but your division, that passed up Jason Tatum all right, or rather than that allowed you to trade up to get you Markel Fultz, and they knew they were going to get Jason Tatum all along. You got to show me something. You can't get out on the court. You got a jump shot where people are literally applauding because for the first time in your career, you actually hit a three-point shot. That they're begging you, literally clamoring for you inside of the Wells Fargo Center in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, because you were wide open for a 17-foot baseline jumper, and you would have taken the shot. That is unacceptable. You're the number one overall pick in the draft. Number one, one of the leading scorer in the nation coming out of college. I understand you had injuries. I understand they messed with your shot. I understand that you got to get things together before you can do certain things. 
But damn it, you got to do it. That's what the number one pick is all about. Brett Brown is the coach of the Philadelphia 76ers. He's on the phone with me talking last year, and we're talking about why is you playing Markel Fultz? He's shown me some promise. He could put the ball on the floor. Coach, why isn't he playing? And the man did everything he could to dance around telling me what he honestly felt, which was the guy's got to up his knowledge and understanding of the game of basketball, the plays that are being called for him, how to utilize parts around him so he can be the player that a number one pick is supposed to be. That's basketball, fellas. And so when I look at Markel Fultz, I'm expecting, I'm not hoping, I'm expecting him to at least show me that he's got game and he ain't the second coming of some Kwame Brown or somebody. <laughs> that is me. That is who I am. And damn it, I ain't changing. <laughs> no, I appreciate you keeping it 100. And when you paint the picture that way, obviously it was a competitive draft. They trade up to get him. You have Donovan Mitchell in that same draft, Josh Hart, Kyle Kuzma, Dennis, Delis, Smith. Dennis Smith. There's a lot of very talented players in that draft, and I think the more success they have— Donovan Mitchell. Exactly. The more success they have, the more the spotlight comes back to him. So I, I understand. I understand exactly what you're saying, and I think a lot of people are rooting for him, but the spotlight will continue to get bigger, especially as the season progresses and as they go closer and closer towards the playoffs. Let's discuss the Western Conference. Obviously, there's a lot of talk around LeBron going to the Lakers. They're off to 0-3 start. He says that he's not worried. He knows what he signed up for. Um, there's a lot of other teams in the Western Conference who are playing well, Denver Nuggets being one of them. Um, what do you think about the big kid in Denver? And who are your favorites in the Western Conference? Who do you think makes the playoffs this upcoming postseason? Well, I think I think y'all make the playoffs. I think New Orleans makes the playoffs. I think pretty much everybody makes the playoffs that made last year with the exception of the Lakers being in and Minnesota being out. That's how I view the Western Conference. It's just that simple to me. LeBron James ain't missing the playoffs. I don't give a damn about their 0-3 start. I don't care how they've been struggling. It don't matter to me. LeBron James will figure it out. He's the best player in the world. Um, and when you've got Kuzma and Josh Hart and those guys, I think they've got enough to make the postseason. I think it's one of those situations where Luke Walton has to adjust pace of play because you can't have LeBron James at 33 years of age, going to be 34 in December, 16th year in the NBA. You can't expect him to play at that pace over the course of 82 games. It'll wear him down and it'll run him out. That's what I believe. I think that's inadvisable. Um, outside of that, I think Luke Walton has to also understand that in the Western Conference, you got to be able to hit the rim of the shots. You can get into somewhat of a defensive battle in the Eastern Conference. In the West, that ain't going to cut it. you got to be able to put points on the board in order to win basketball games in the West. That means Kuzma and Josh Hart need to be inserted into that starting lineup. That means they, that means they need to average a minimum of 30 minutes to 35 a night because both of them can shoot the ball. And you have to utilize it from that perspective, not to mention the fact that it's going to enable them to help out Lonzo or Rondo at the point guard spot. So when they're penetrating into the teeth of a defense, they got cats to kick it out to because you're going to force a defense to spread and it'll give them more room to operate either for themselves or to facilitate shots for somebody else. If you don't do that and you go with Rondo with Ingram and KCP, Contavious Caldwell Pope, that ain't going to cut it. That's not going to be good enough, and the Lakers are going to struggle. You need to put Kuzma and Hart in there instead of KCP and Brandon Ingram. So what you're saying is that they should 
sit down KCP and they should play Kuzma more minutes and Josh Hart more minutes. Yeah, I'm saying they should play in more minutes, but I'm not I'm not saying KCP shouldn't play. I'm not saying Brandon Ingram shouldn't play. I'm saying that those dudes, their stroke isn't as sweet as Josh Hart and Kyle Kuzma, and that's what you need in the Western Conference. So they need to get a little bit more minutes, and if it costs Brandon Ingram and KCP less minutes, so be it. I see what you're saying. I'm a, I'm a Kuzma fan. I like his game. I think Josh Hart is also going to be special. He can play both sides of the ball. He's aggressive. And as you said before, he's not afraid to take and make shots. I think the the bigger problem is them figuring out the point guard position. Uh, Rondo and uh, Alonzo Ball will have a similar games. Obviously, one's light-skinned, as Rondo pointed out. And Rondo's more of a veteran player. But I think there comes a time where they have to figure out if they're working on development or trying to win now. I think Rondo is extremely intelligent. He understands how to run offense. And now I think he's the guy they probably want to go with. But for long term, I think it's obvious that Alonzo Ball is the future. Who do you think should be playing the most minutes? This ain't no long-term solution. This is about right now, meaning this season. And we all know that Lonzo is going to be the future. Otherwise, they're going to get him up out of there. What they're going to do is use Rondo uh, along with LeBron and Magic to try to tutor Lonzo to see what they, what he really has. They believe in him. But again, he's got to continue to shoot better. I think he's shooting like a 42% for three-point range now, which is a vast improvement from last year. He's averaging about 10 or 11 points a game. Let's see what he does as time goes on. He's got a nice height on him. He's gotten a bit bigger and bulkier, so he's not going to get pushed around as easily. He's long and lanky, so he can defend, and he can be problematic in that regard. But again, what you're going to look for is for Rondo to tutor him early, Rondo get a bulk of the minutes early, but then as the season progresses, you insert Lonzo up in there, and then come playoff time, it don't matter who starts, because you know you're going to use the savvy veteranship of a Rondo to be in that lineup to help you come playoff time. But you want to bring Lonzo along in the process, so if you have to lean on him when it really matters, you have the faith that he could get the job done. That's what it comes down to. Rondo knows it ain't long-term for him in L.A. He's there for this season and possibly next to help Lonzo out as much as he possibly can. And then the reins belong to Lonzo, assuming he's ready to take him. What's the balance, Stephen A., on pace? Because right now the Lakers are second in the league, um, behind Atlanta, ahead of OKC, ahead of Portland, ahead of Houston, ahead of Miami. They're, they're really running. So what's the balance regular season-wise that you're talking about with pace with Braun to make sure they don't wear him down and that come playoff time, he's he's fresh. I think they need to slow it down considerably, maybe move to the middle of the pack in the league because the priority is going to be preserving him and making sure he's healthy come playoff time. It's not to say the it's not to turn the Lakers into a half court set, but it's to prioritize. Uh, addressing fatigue and not wearing him down to the point where he has nothing left for you come postseason time. You can do more running when LeBron is off the floor. It's not much. That's about 12 minutes a game or so, 12 to 13 minutes a game or so. But it needs to be that. It needs to be when he's on the court, you're not running nearly as much as you're running when he's off the court. Because if you do that, He's not going to have but so much to give you. And that's the most important thing right now, protecting his legs, his stamina, his conditioning, as phenomenal as he is in that department. Nobody beats Father Time. And you don't want to rush Father Time onto the scene before it's ready to come. So they need to be careful about that. Okay, we've got more pull-up in a second. But first, I want to tell you about HelloFresh. HelloFresh is a meal kit delivery service that shops, plans, and delivers step-by-step recipes and pre-measured ingredients so you can just cook, eat, and enjoy. There are three plans to choose from, classic, veggie, 
and family. And each box is made up of fresh, responsibly obtained ingredients from carefully selected farms and high-rated, trusted sources. Personally, I enjoy the classic plan. Figgy balsamic pork, southwestern beef tacos, there's lots of options, and I always try to leave the dairy at home. And HelloFresh makes cooking reasonable. With a full 82-game season coming up, I enjoy not having to worry about planning dinner, spending money on takeout, or about gathering ingredients week after week. Chef B also really enjoys HelloFresh. Get delicious, filling meals delivered right to your door every week for less than $10 per serving and free shipping. For a total of $60 off, that's $20 off your first three boxes. Visit HelloFresh.com backslash pullup60 and enter pullup60. Again, you get $20 off your first three boxes by visiting HelloFresh.com backslash pullup60 and entering pullup60. Okay, back to the show. Let's look into college basketball for a second. Obviously, LeBron was in the news a little bit ago with uh, Bayheim, the coach for Syracuse, discussing the likes of Darius Baisley, who signed a million-dollar internship with New Balance. Do you think this is a route more players will continue to take? You know, with the new developments in the D League, being able to potentially make one hundred twenty-five or whatever one hundred twenty-five thousand uh, dollars, as opposed to going to college for a year, or are we still? in position where college kids are making more than $125,000. So there's no need for them to take that. Well, I think that I, I think it depends on the situation, to be quite honest with you. Uh, if you have access uh, to a, a decent quality of life, then I think you're going to elect to go the college route, particularly if the option is a big time program because of the notoriety that will come your way. And the more that will facilitate you being a high draft pick and ultimately getting that money. Uh, if you don't find yourself in that position, then I think it's going to be a little bit more problematic and you'll probably go the G League route because you're going to need immediate income just to sit up there and survive. You've got some folks out here that can survive on, on just, a, you know, just a little bit of money, but you have some folks that need it more because of the family uh, members that they have to feed and people in their inner circle and things of that nature. So it all depends on the situation, but I'm all for uh, uh, fellas getting paid uh, any way they can legitimately. I mean, if you can sit up there and represent this country by entering the military, if you're under the microscope that you're under, if people are constantly in your face and profiting off of exploitation as it pertains to you, you need to get a piece of that pie. I'm all for that. And I'm all for the athletes being put in a position where they can get that money. And if the college game suffers, so be it, because they've spent a lot of years being flaming hypocrites and taking advantage of these athletes with minimal compensation to have to dole out. And I'm sick and tired of that. Stephen A., do you anticipate other kids following Darius Baisley route, you know, skipping college for an internship, not only not playing and not taking the G League route with the 125, but but actually getting in a business environment, a professional environment, and learning how that works? Because I, I spoke with his agent, Rich Paul, last week. I was with him, and we talked about Darius Baisley um, his upside and how astronomically high it is. But obviously, as Rich Paul said on the jump, this is a different kid, and, and college did not motivate him, and neither well, did the G League. I, I genuinely don't know the answer to that question. It's all about how people were raised. Some people are raised for that marathon. Some people are addicted to the sprint. They can't see the forest from the trees because all they're thinking about is the here and now. That's one of the things that, you know, me being in the position that I'm in, having a national platform on television and radio, social media and writing, et cetera, et cetera. It's one of the things that I have to negotiate, one of the positions that I have to negotiate on a daily basis. You take it case by case. In some instances, you might find a person 
or a player in a situation where, okay, you know what? I can afford to lay back and not go for all of this right now because if I'm patient enough and I'm able to manage my time, my money, et cetera, et cetera, I can, I can take advantage of this particular situation where the dollars will come to me later. But then you have others that are impoverished, come from desolate backgrounds, starving, et cetera, et cetera. And not only are you asking them to pass up the money, why are you asking them to do that? You're asking them to trust the system that they believe has betrayed them since the time they were born. And when you have that going on, it's very, very difficult to look a young kid in the face with family members to take care of, loved ones to take care of, not to mention themselves, and say to them, be patient, it's gonna come, it's gonna come. Don't worry about injury. Don't worry about politics. Don't worry about any of these kind of things getting in your way, ultimately stalling your aspirations towards wealth, fame, and beyond. It's gonna be there for you no matter what. That's a tall, tall ask to throw in somebody's face because you're asking them to trust the system. That's one of the reasons I believe people matriculate to basketball as opposed to baseball or football. It's not just because you can grab a ball and go to a hoop in a park and it's cheaper than tennis lessons or going to a golf course or anything like that. It's because you don't have to wait. You got to play three years of college football before you eligible for the NFL draft. You got to go through a minor league system in most instances. Everybody can't be Bryce Harper where you homeschooled and then ultimately you got to spend a minimal amount of time in the minors before somebody brings you up because you're a, you're, 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 you, got, you got destiny written all over you. Everybody doesn't have that luxury. Sometimes you're asking little kids, you're asking young minds, who mostly are minority individuals to sit up here and trust a system that in their minds has never looked out for them. I have a hard time thinking and believing that somebody's going to gravitate to this kind of thinking that, you know what, we'll plan ahead. We'll prepare ourselves for the long haul and all of that other stuff. They're going to be about the here and now trying to get as much as they can while they can as immediately as they possibly can, because the only thing that you can trust is tomorrow. You can't even trust next week is going to come. Yeah, I agree with you. I think it was a smart move to, to take advantage of the situation you're in, especially understanding that you're probably only going to go to school for one year anyway. Right. And you're able to secure a guaranteed million dollars. You're able to get up to $14 million, And now you can become a full-time basketball player. You can work out two, three times a day, really focus on your individual development while polishing up with, with the internship, kind of learning the ins and outs of an actual business, a multi-million right. dollar, probably cl- getting close to a billion dollar shoe, shoe business. I think it was a a genius move. Yeah, I don't disagree with you. Looking at my Cleveland Browns, I always talk about my Cleveland Browns. I'm a huge Cleveland Browns fan. I'm a Baker Mayfield fan. Do you think that we're approaching this season the, the correct way? We've traded some players away. We've, we've moved around a little bit to try to acquire assets for the upcoming draft. Where are we at, and at what point do you think we'll be playoff ready? Because we've only technically been blown out once. We've had four overtime games. I think the Cleveland Browns are moving in the right direction. Um, it's hard to say, considering the fact that Hugh Jackson came into the season one at 31. But I think John Dorsey being the general manager has gone a long way for them. Um, I love the fact that they drafted Denzel Ward with the fourth overall pick. I think he's a stud in the making. I think he's got a lot of skills. I think defensively, they've been far more formidable than people thought they would be. And that's been a plus. Offensively, Baker Mayfield is not bad. This is not the second coming of Johnny Manziel. He's had good moments. He's had highly questionable moments, but they've been able to compete. 
Uh, he's been a professional. He's studying the playbook. He's reading through his progressions. You see people talking about how he's getting better. He's got an it factor. He's a leader in the locker room, and people respect him, even though he's a rookie. I love that. Not to mention the fact that on, a, on a, both sides of Hugh Jackson is an offensive and a defensive coordinator and Todd Haley and Greg Williams, respectively, that both have accomplished some things in the National Football League. Now, Greg Williams was associated with uh, a bounty gate in New Orleans, so that wasn't good for his reputation. But nobody ever questioned his football acumen, his ability to coach the defensive side of the ball, and, and that he knows what he's doing. And we all know Todd Haley knew what he was doing for those years he was in Pittsburgh, you know, tutoring uh, uh, Big Ben Roethlisberger and those Steelers. And so when you look at that, their coaching staff is strong. The players are significantly better than they were. And Dorsey is doing a damn good job, plus they have picks in their future. They may not be in the playoffs this year. I think they'll be fighting for a playoff spot next year. But more importantly, I think they're on an upswing. And it's not about chasing for respect. I think for the most part, they've already captured it by the league because we've seen how they play and we've seen how tough it has been to knock them off. And that's all you're looking for from most franchises, particularly those rife with young players. That's good to hear because I feel like we're heading in the right direction. It's just painful to watch close losses as a fan, as a player. I know it hurts to, to be in a game, to execute, and, and to either come down to missed field goals or a field goal being made on you. So uh, I'm happy to see that we're heading in the right direction and continue to pick up the pieces we need. I propose a, I propose a question on Twitter uh, for the fans, so I have some fan questions for you. Sure. I have to start with a good one from Shrewd69. Basketball is continuing to improve, obviously, with social media, with the ability to kind of expand, having games in Europe, having games in Mexico. Mm -hmm. It's putting us in a different light. Is basketball at its greatest stage in history? Tough question. Um, to me, um, I'm just old school. Uh, it's been very few things better than Magic and Bird going up against one another um, in the, in the mid-'80s with – the Sixers interrupting the proceedings in 83, the Pistons interrupting uh, the proceedings in, um, you know, in, in 88, 89, the Lakers with the three P's and all of this other stuff. Uh, that was something that was special to see. The Jordan era was the Jordan era, but he sort of knocked everybody out the box. Everybody was chasing him, whether it was Malone and Stockton in Utah, Barkley with Marley and Kevin Johnson in Phoenix, the Lakers with Lottie Divac and Magic, uh, Clyde Drexler and, and, and Terry Porter and Cliff Robinson and those boys in Portland. Uh, you know, Seattle with Sean Kemp, Gary Payton. And then you got, that was just in the Western Conference for the finals. In the East, you had the Knicks. Uh, you had the Indiana Pacers. You had, you know, the, you had the Cleveland Cavaliers with Mark Price and Brad Doherty and Larry Nance and those boys. So it was interesting, but it was everyone chasing Jordan. Whereas when it was Magic and Bird, um, knowing that they were going to be there for the most part, but then seeing Moses Malone do his thing one year and Isaiah and, and Vinnie Johnson and Microwave and Joe Dumas and those boys chasing Boston before finally knocking them off um, at the Silver Dome when you saw 70, 80,000 people coming up for a basketball game. Those were some special times. Now, obviously, when Shaq and Kobe got on their run, it was nice because Sacramento was there with C. Webb and Divac and Mike Bibby and those boys. And San Antonio was on a come up with Tim Duncan and David Robinson having won the championship in a lockout short season in 99. You see all of that. But to me, there is still no era that usurps the 80s. The 80s was something special to behold. Um, and I hold on to that for the time being. 
Stephen A. Mini Doss wants to know, ask how much Stephen A. enjoys not working with Skip Bayless. Um, I don't enjoy it. I, I don't. I don't enjoy it at all. I miss <laughs> my brother. Um, you know, Max and I are cool, and uh, Max is great. Um, I got a lot of love for him. Uh, but you know, just like Max has his brother Marcellus Wiley, I got my brother Skip Bayless. Sure. And I will never. Uh, put anybody over him when it comes to a debate show in terms of who I would partner with. You got to understand that Skip Bayless is the one that got me doing this. I never wanted to do first take. I never wanted to do a debate show. I was perfectly happy being on the road, covering the NBA games, you know, not to say that I didn't want my own show or that I didn't want um, a radio show or anything like that. But anybody that knows me, I absolutely hate getting up early in the morning. Um, I just can't stand it. I would rather get up and work from 10 o'clock to 1 or 2 in the morning than get up early in the morning and have my day end at 4 o'clock because it doesn't end anyway. I'm always watching the games. I'm paying attention to what's going on. I'm making my calls. I'm cultivating contacts and resources. So I don't stop working. I'm on my grind at all times. And when you look at it from that perspective, to get me to do something, there's only one person that could get me to do it, and that was Skip. Skip came to me years ago and said to me, I've taken first take as far as I can take it, and I can't take it any further without you. I need you. Will you do this for me? And from that point forward, I did it because he asked me to. And first take has taken off. We've been number one ever since. I would love to sit here and tell you that I deserve credit for that. But the person that deserves the credit is him because he's the one that asked me to do it. He asked me to do it for him. And whatever we became as a show was established by he and I together. So I will never tell anybody on this planet that I don't miss my man, Skip Bayless. I always have. I always will. We still keep in touch. We see each other every time I go to L.A. Uh, that's my brother. And I got mad love for him. And I'm always have that love for him. Oh, that's dope, man. That's a dope story. I appreciate you sharing that. Okay, we've got more pull-up in a second, but first, I want to tell you about Gillette On Demand. If you're shaving and you're not using Gillette razors, you're doing it wrong. In my case, I got a little bit of facial hair. Nice little peach fuzz I've had since college. Can't pull off the full beard like James Harden, but the razor keeps my gold tee looking on point. Routines are important to athletes, and shaving on game days is part of mine. Usually a few hours before I head to the arena, I get my shave on. And you can't go wrong with any Gillette razor, the Mach 3, the Sensor 3, they're all good. I roll with the Fusion Pro Shield personally. It gets the job done every time. Gillette razors are quality and will ensure that you leave the house looking and feeling fresh. And now you can get Gillette quality blades at the best value and convenience with Gillette On Demand. With Gillette On Demand, you can get blades delivered directly to your door. Subscribe to Gillette On Demand today and get 50% off your first order with special offer code PULLUP. 50 at checkout. Enjoy free shipping and every fourth order free with subscription. So again, visit Gillette online at GilletteOnDemand.com and use PullUp50. That's P-U-L-L-U-P-5-0 for 50% off your first order. I'm going to ask one, two more questions. One more, one more Twitter yeah. question, then I'm going to ask you what the, what the next steps are for you and yeah. any advice you have for me on and off the court. But first, from Nelly Covers, who would you rather have for the next five seasons, KD or AD? I would say to you I would rather have Anthony Davis for the next five seasons. But if you gave me one season, I'd rather have Kevin Durant. 
Kevin Durant's a little bit older than him. Uh, he has a bit more mileage on him. But I think Kevin Durant's a superstar. It's just that simple. He is, I think he's the one player that if he wanted to, could surpass Kareem Abdul-Jabbar as the league's all-time leading scorer. He's that prolific. He's that special. I look at Anthony Davis as awesome as he is, as unstoppable as he is. Even with the arsenal that he has, I primarily view him as a two-point scorer. I think KD can score from anywhere he wants at any time. He's that kind of offensive fire, fire you know, just, just, just offensive juggernaut in my eyes. But I don't think that that's going to be the case for him five years from now. I look at Anthony Davis five years from now, and, it, you know, it's just something special. It's something to behold. I mean, to me, the league is going to belong to either him or the Greek freak. I would love to tell you Ben Simmons, who I consider the second coming of LeBron, if he were to get a jump shot, but he can't shoot yet. So that's a problem. Uh, but, I, I, but I got mad respect for him. But I think that the two guys that really stand out in my mind are the Greek freak and Anthony Davis. And the Greek freak can't shoot like Anthony Davis yet. So I would have to give the edge to Anthony Davis. Again, for five years, I would go with Anthony Davis. If you said to me for one year, I would go Kevin Durant. That's good. I like it. I like I like the explanation behind it. And I've seen AD firsthand. He is a problem and will be a problem for, for years to come. And KD is a problem and will be a problem for a long time as well. My last uh, question before I let you go and enjoy no these doubt. games tonight. Yep. What advice do you have for me in life, broadcasting, and journalism? And I got to tell G. Howard, shout out to G. Howard. Yeah. Uh, for my man. Just being a guy who's who's looked out for me. So shout out to G. Howard. But any advice you have for me before I let you go on basketball, everything? Well, first of all, G. Howard is the one that got me to the Philadelphia Inquirer. So he's looked out for both of us. Uh, he's a mentor and a friend, somebody that I love dearly. My man, Mike Bruton, used to be at the Philadelphia Inquirer. He's retired now in San Antonio. He's like a father figure to me. So guys like that associated with the Philadelphia Inquirer always going to have a special place in my heart. As it pertains to you um, and advice for you and any athlete that's out there, you just what you got to do is remember something. You're special for a reason. You don't just have ability. You put in the work. Don't ever think that because you're, ch- you're, you're, you're taking on a new venture, that that work, uh, that work ethic gets to dissipate and ultimately disappear. As hard as you work at what you do is as hard as I work at what I do. It's a grind. It's never ending. And you got to love what you do because if you don't, it's going to feel like work. The frustration is not just going to creep up on you. It's going to pimp slap you. And you're not going to be able to handle it if you're not loving what you do. You also got to have alligator skin in this business. People are going to lie on you. They're going to talk mess about you. They're going to fabricate stuff about you. They're going to malign you. They're going to smile in your face and be two-faced and talk behind your back. The principles that you have as a man, um, you got to hold on to that. And you got to believe in it because others are going to doubt you. And more importantly than anything else, Everyone in our business doesn't follow this advice that I'm going to give you, but I'm going to tell you to follow my lead on this one. Hide from no one. If you have something to say and you know in your heart of hearts that you believe it and you're true and authentic to yourself and you researched and you've discovered facts and this is the belief that you have, if you're going to say it, be man enough to stand up and embrace 
pushback from whatever it is that you have to say, especially when it involves the subjects that you talk about. If you notice, I try to come to as many games as I possibly can. My apologies for not getting all the way out to the damn Pacific Northwest of Portland. But I do try to get to over 100 games a year. I'm in the locker rooms all the time. Why? I don't have to sit up there and interview people. That's not my job anymore. But I do it so people can have access to me. So if you got something to say, you can come up to me and talk to me. Or you can sit up there and say, I need a number. I need to holler at you because you said something. I want to talk to you about what you said or whatever the case may be. I'm not hiding because I, I believe in myself and my own personal integrity. It's not to say that I'm never wrong because I'm sure I have been sometimes. But I didn't know it at the time that I said what I said. I don't knowingly lie on people. I don't knowingly you know, insult them or go off. I say what I feel in my heart based on the information that I have gathered. And because of that, I can stand before anybody and never run and never hide. Because if I'm disseminating a message to millions and it's about somebody else, it's nothing short of cowardly to avoid those people when they're looking for you because of what you said. You have to know that this business is supposed to mandate that. And anybody in this business who doesn't believe that and doesn't live up to it does not belong in this business. You hold on to that and know that and be true to yourself and be fair and humane with the things that you say. And you're good. You can sleep at night. Just remember that. No, I appreciate that, man. That's that's definitely good advice. And G. Howard's actually the guy who gave me my first byline. He was one of my mentors at Lehigh. And- yep. When I decided to go back to school for my senior year, it was his idea to write to write my own story in sporting news, and he published it for me. Yep. So shout out to my guy, G. Howard, and I appreciate you coming on and the advice. And I'm going to text you. I want to send you some wine. You, you like Pinot, right? You drink Pinot? Yeah, I'm on. Send it. Text me your address. I'll send you some of these Oregon finest since you don't get out to the Pacific Northwest very often. All right. Well, listen, man, good luck with all you're doing, man, and thank you for having me on the show. I appreciate it, and I wish more athletes would call me to come on. I'm <laughs> not a problem. I appreciate it, man. I'll be in touch. All right, y'all. Y'all be good. Thanks, Stephen A. Peace. Once again, I want to thank Stephen A. for coming on and joining us and sharing some of his insight and just discussing all things sports. You can catch us on Apple Podcasts, Radio.com, or wherever you get your shows. And don't forget to pull up. Pull up. <laughs> <laughs>